0: hello everyone and welcome back to the well podcast this is episode number 94 my name is slater and i'm here with adam and caitlin what's up hello you couldn't keep us Dude. away for long uh, <laughs> we're not late, you they're late to listening you weren't on the last one yeah last you one did on miss Mayside. the last one it was my mom's birthday and i was not here
1: yeah no that's important it's allowed all you missed yeah, out is Erica cool. and I giggling at each other for no reason because we're like middle school girls every time we see each other.
2: True. I felt like I just kind of sat there during the episode. I was just like
1: <laughs> that happened last
0: time.
2: <laughs> and appreciating.
0: Kaylin and her friends just leave us in the
1: dust. I'm sorry. I don't know what it is about her and I, but we just like can't contain ourselves when we hang out together. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of one of my like pre, pre uh topics announcements is that erica's book is on sale if you listen to minnesota 11 you heard all about it if not you can go back and listen to it um and if you want to check out her book about the plastic crisis crisis in our oceans uh thicker than water is on sale in many many places so check it out if you are interested um but i also just wanted to say thank you to all of our supporters um whether it's via patreon or if you came on our trip or if you tell people about the podcast, I just wanted to make sure that was right up at the top. Thank you for supporting us. Um, We're coming up on, is it our third birthday in a couple of months, is that right? Yeah, it is, yeah, so. Golf
2: golf clap
0: to our supporters.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And um, if you want to support us, um, we have a couple of ways that you can either do that in person or you can actually order merch through our website now, so. Uh, we just launched, um, right now what's available in our shop on our website, which is nerds.com is stickers, um, which are our different logos that were designed by Samantha Chang of S-Chang Studios. Um, and so you can check those out and we'll have more items available um, over the coming months, maybe for the holiday season, but maybe not. We'll see what happens. No guarantees.
2: <laughs> Get but it ready before
1: then. <laughs> stay tuned. Um, and then we also have... Uh, trips coming up in the spring so if you want to come see uh hopefully killer whales but lots of whales in Monterey Bay with us in April we have trips on the 22nd 23rd and 24th of April with Blue Ocean Whale Watch so
2: I'm so
0: excited for that <laughs> That's gonna be so much fun yeah Adam has so, to take my boat out every morning to go find the killer whales before the trip
1: <laughs> in the dark Dude, don't
0: think <laughs> I you should give me the opportunity I will do it but our trip out.
1: leaves at 7 30 in the morning. He's gonna have like, I no can time. sniff them out.
2: I'll sniff them out. Oh Don't worry my about god. it.
1: You're gonna have to be Well, realistically,
2: in. realistically, oh. this is what's gonna happen. The first day we're gonna go out there, the CA 51s are gonna be right outside the Moss Lending Bell buoy. We're gonna be like, oh my god, like where'd you guys come from? And that's it. And then we're set.
0: Speaking of sniffing them out, I gotta tell you one thing real quick, even though we're not doing sightings. I do we know. are doing sightings. We are doing, doing sightings. One. Yeah, uh, we are doing yeah, sightings. Stinker. On this well, then let's cut to the chase
1: here. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. I'm going so, first. Well, okay. So let's just frame that since you already brought it up. So this episode is part one of a two-part episode. And so on this episode, we'll talk about our sightings, but then we're going to record part two pretty quickly after. So um, it'll go out the following week. But since we will have not been on the water since we had last recorded the part two, there won't be sightings in that second episode. But the first episode, we have sightings. So Slater, what did you see?
0: you guessed it two different species of whales humpback whales and killer whales but first let me get to the humpbacks (laughs) so like four days ago or i don't know how many days ago i went out and it was really like super foggy i told i texted you about it right it was like i had like 50 feet of visibility or yeah and i just kind of went across all my track numbers from the like previous days and I ended up finding a mom and calf, like literally, in like 50 feet of visibility. I was just going <laughs> slow, like forever. Anyways, I found them, but every time they went, they, they fluked up right when I found them. So my go-to move was just shut the boat down and listen. And every single time I would drive to them and get to them for two breaths, they would fluke and go down again. So it was like a very tough trip. Like I think the toughest trip I've had yet. And it wasn't because there was no whales it was just because of the fog yeah and so it led me for like at least an hour i, I was able to stay with them and kind of like get up to them and then see them go down in the fog and lose them well i'm listening and i felt like i was like oh no because if you miss them you're like uh oh like if they get too far on that second breath you know what i mean you're or that yeah. second sequence you're not going to hear them well I heard a breath and I was like, it's kind of faint. And I went to it. I ended up losing the mom and baby pair and I found a single, but he was (laughs) staying down for like 10 minutes or something. And so I ended up losing all my whales in the fog. Um,
1: At least you found some.
0: And there was literally like eight whales one mile from the harbor. (laughs) (laughs) So after all of this, like searching the bay in the fog, there was the fog ended up backing off from the beach first um, because the easterly wind in the morning, it like pushed it out and- Yeah, there was a bunch of whales right in front of the harbor. So that was pretty exciting. Um, We have had killer whales the last week or so. Um, I saw them yesterday. I had to go 12 miles. Actually, I caught them at like 13 and a half miles. And I stayed with them. They were doing basically like eight knots the whole entire time. And I left them at 17 and a half miles from home. Sheesh. Yeah, but they were breaching like when i got there they breached while i was there i got zero photos to prove it (laughs) somebody had to uh, (laughs) have i thought you said you got
2: like a half breach
0: i did uh, it's out of focus though when i looked at uh, on the back of the camera i was like okay that's good good enough and then i get home and it was like so soft i was like wow yeah it sucks well I, i felt bad because kate had been with them for a while and i didn't know what they had seen at like she had been with them for a lot longer before i got there and she left pretty much like 10 minutes after I got I there, and they started breaching. But I didn't say anything on the radio. But come to find out, she had, like, multiple spy hops, breaches, and she didn't get any of them either. I think it was just because a lot of them were, like, out of the back. Yeah, behind swells or out of the back. It was so weird. There was, like, a south swell, but then there was east wind, and so, like, I don't know. It was weird. It was super washer machine-y. Um, but, yeah, it's been, it's been really good. We still had... I, I saw three humpbacks on my way in from that from the killer whales yesterday, and then Danny found six to eight whales in um, marina off the beach, like in like 100 or between like 60 and 100 feet of water. So there's still quite a bit of whales around, at least a dozen or so. Um, oh, and then I missed three days of northern right whale dolphins, whiteside side dolphins, and they... It's funny to hear them talk about it they're like i don't like to estimate dolphins but i i would say a thousand i think <laughs> like bills. like i you know i'm not good at this but i think there's like at least 600 white sides here and you know a couple hundred northern right dolphins. Wow, that's and, cool like i get super blue water i asked my people they didn't want to go to the dolphins they wanted they wanted i understand sometimes you know you're there for a certain thing so um but yeah, I missed out on the dolphins and it's definitely a troll pro moment for us, Adam.
2: We gotta get it for the duck.
0: Even though Caitlin's an expert troll troll dude, we need
2: Caitlin we'll- there because I've I've tried it multiple times and it's tough. Well, I okay, think you, I think you I should think have, we'll- have a big pot of pig, big pot of dolphins.
1: Well, the other thing is different species like it better than others. I know. So, like common dolphins don't give a flying hoot about it. Ooh, they're like, yeah. eh, whatever, and they just keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. but like pacific white-sided dolphins are all about it they're like what's this thing what's it doing it's making noise yeah. it has lights on it and they just like get, they right get right up it, in uh,
2: it i bet huh? you if you got i bet you if you got a big enough group of comments someone come over and check it out
1: maybe or also just the odds of them swimming by it or higher just because there's more of them and then killer whales it depends sometimes they're like really curious about it and other times they're like i don't give yeah, a crap how what you are you killer
0: whales on the troll pro.
1: We had a really curious group of killer whales with some young ones in there. They had been like chasing birds and chasing northern fur seals and like playing with the boat. And so I was like, they're being pretty curious. And so I put it in the water and they like came over and like touched it. They like tried to bite it. And I was like, oh my God, we're done. When I saw its mouth open from the back of the boat, I was like, reel it in. We're done. We're done. God,
2: Dude, I would die. Kaylin, I would die. I want you to know. (laughs)
0: If we could go back to 4 if we could take 4K 120 back to when Caitlin was in her
1: filmmaking Prime. days.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That's so cool. Yeah, I don't know
1: it. if I could handle the equipment you guys have. I'd be like, this is too much for me.
2: It's all right. The new GoPro, you just same thing. Press button. It was a GoPro go?
1: 3 that I filmed that on.
2: Oh, my gosh. Now we're on the 10. <laughs> That's funny. Um, that doesn't
0: make you feel old. I don't know what that. Caitlin, you really haven't been watching a whole lot lately, right?
1: No, so our season's done. Um, we ended on October 24th. Unfortunately, we had planned to go through Halloween, but we had a really big storm come through. Like you guys heard about me, like going through a Hurricane. This was this nor'easter was way worse than both hurricanes we had this year. Like out at the lighthouse, it gusted to 79 miles an hour in the middle of the night on oh the worst my. night. Yeah, like it oh, was way no, worse.
0: Send us the screenshots.
1: Yeah, of, of it the- was. i was waking up every couple hours because like the windows were rattling and i kept being like oh my god the boat's blowing away like (laughs) that's so scary so yeah and um it like ripped the leaves off the trees there was like trees down everywhere a lot of places in the outskirts of the city and like in rockport didn't have power and so yeah it was pretty gnarly so we got cut short a week um but kind of had to sit around on standby just in case like the weather did clear up but Right after the nor'easter, like a big, ugly southeast storm came through too, which for us, like if it's coming from the east, like there's no land buffer. And so the sea conditions get really, really bad. Um, Before we ended our season, we did have some really nice encounters with a humpback whale named Dross and her calf. And Dross is doing her like, um, she makes more of like a P-shaped loop or even, but then it kind of crosses itself. So it's more like a, like Jamie calls it like a lasso but it's kind of like an intersecting circle when she bubble nets um, and she was feeding really close to the surface. So you got to see the herring flying out of the water, which was really cool. Oh, that's awesome. um, so it was really nice to see her and the calf was practicing too, but also sometimes just like swimming through the bubbles, Playing. Yeah. which was kind of funny to watch probably cause it, the bubbles felt funny. Um, so yeah, that was kind of how we wrapped up our season. So now we're just uh, winterizing the boat, getting it ready to sit for a couple months before season starts again in April, so yeah, but that's that's what's going on here.
2: Adam, yes,
0: have you seen anything?
2: Yes, uh, it's been great here. It's uh, it's starting to slow down a little bit. Obviously, the humpbacks are moving south, um, but we still have a good amount. We had we've been having like six to eight on every trip um but we've been getting a lot of reports from the eastern channel where this whole season they've been in the western channel so we're not seeing like the big numbers of like 20 or like 35 that we had for a couple days but um they're definitely thinning out but there's still a good amount here um seeing a bunch of common dolphins and we did have a sighting of killer whales um the killer whales were the same killer whales that you saw we saw them five days before they were reported in Monterey they're the 140 Bs, which is her name the matriarch's name is Luis and it was cool just to kind of see them travel like I think it was like 250 miles about in about five days which we had another group of killer whales earlier in the year that you and I saw that also popped up at Santa Barbara it was like the same story it was like 250 miles in, in four days which is pretty cool um so that was cool. It was a really quick encounter with them that we had. We, we got a report of them at the end of our trip. Um, and It was kind of funny. It kind of sucked. The person that called us in on them, they killed a dolphin right bef- a common dolphin right before we got there and killed it and ate it. And this guy has a video like right off the front of his boat of like one of the whales doing like a mini backflip with the whale and it's- with a dolphin in its mouth. Yes. And then of course when we arrived on scene, they like were traveling at like they were down for like 10 minutes traveling a mile underneath the water and then when we left we put our buddy on them and they did the same thing so they killed a sea lion right after we left so it's just like funny the timing you know you just that's i think it's kind of the beautiful thing is that the timing can be a blessing it can also be a curse sometimes
1: there's only a Uh handful of pods i've ever seen hunt dolphins and the 140s are one of them
0: really there you go yeah the
1: 51s the 140s are also very efficient gray whale killers. At gray least whales, they were yeah. when, when Luis was like still with Emma. They could take a gray yeah. whale down in 30 minutes. That's crazy.
0: It's crazy. Like I nuts. need to look up who the killer whales were that ate that white-sided dolphin when
2: it was with no, no, Nadia.
0: No. no, no, this is with like okay. in 2016.
1: Oh, I think okay. it was the 140s. Really?
0: I think I was out of town like when that Emma. happened.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Luis's mom. So Yeah yeah
0: um dude adam speaking of like just being late to the party for the killer whales you know eating yesterday i'm at the field dog and like the guy was like just up by like doing some gardening up above and i'm like dude like get down here i got like i gotta (laughs) get out and so like i was like okay i can't wait for him i'm gonna walk up and get him so i start walking and then he sees me waves and i'm like okay thank you like so (laughs) he's coming down and on the radio i hear bill go wow that was beautiful and like i you know and like to hear them say stuff like that it's just like okay well and then he goes that was two whales breaching at the same time and i was like oh my god like <laughs> uh, like i'm hearing all this and i'm like okay i'm i already knew i was 12 and a half miles away and yeah
2: so you're just like ah, uh, yeah and it's, it's like it's brutal i mean oh, it, so it's that, just
0: funny right sorry right before that he goes yeah. uh danny's like oh there's two there's a humpback here oh there's there's three humpbacks Oh, the killer whales are so that they, so they, like, they circled humpbacks for a second. Yeah, I saw that. And then they double breach at the same time. And I was like, oh, God, what's going on? Like, obviously, uh, they weren't going to eat them or, or like hunt them. Yeah. But I just was like, ah. It's so you cool. you, you'll get the humpbacks in the middle of them, peck slapping and tail throwing. And I've like- seen
1: Comet breach on top of a humpback when she was, I mean, she's still really little, but when she she's was really tiny. little, oh, my God, she breached right on top of one. I was like, what That's are you so doing?
2: Yeah, timing, timing's everything out, out in the ocean. It's like our Rizzo's dolphin hunt. Like we were about to go in, you know, but we turned yeah. around and we got the call, you know, you just never know how it works out.
0: Um, you just gotta go to the bathroom.
2: Exactly, sometimes you gotta go to the
0: bathroom.
1: <laughs> and then like, just <laughs> forgot happens. about it as soon as you heard that they were killer whales. <laughs>
2: yeah, didn't need to do that anymore. <laughs> um, I did have a really cool sighting of a humpback whale that was seen off of uh, one of the Hawaiian islands that was seen here. And I think that's definitely the first whale I've ever had that was seen out there. Um, And it was cool to just talk about that on the boat, about how like the different populations, there's not a whole ton of intermingling, but it does happen, you know? So that was cool. It was a whale that was seen in like 1991, really old, like kind of an older whale for us. Not really
1: old, Adam.
2: No, definitely not really (laughs) old, but I, like, I think, I think the oldest whale I've seen is like from like 1981 but like you have whales that were seen in like what 73 or something
0: i think i have one like yeah around there 79 or 78 or something like that
1: so were you able to use the happy whale tool to make the id on the boat yes i've been using that a lot and it's cool
2: because i can because i do i do a lot of the natural naturalizing on the boat now um so i'll just be like we're like participating in brand new research on this boat and we have an opportunity to you know, be able to ID these whales instantly, essentially. And so I can talk a little bit about each whale and where it's been seen and their catalog. And people have actually really enjoyed it. They like seeing, you know, knowing the history of the whale. So shout out, Ted. Thanks for that.
1: Yeah. So I don't know if we, I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. We talked a little bit about it when Ted was on the boat uh, for Whale Nerds Weekend, but um, Happy Whale is coming out with a new tool for people that are like um, regular users that would find it helpful to be able to make an ID on the fly, without making a submission, so um, that's an option that's starting to work its way out to folks that are um, high-frequency users of Happy Whale. So, if that's something you're interested in, you could reach out to them and see what the requirements are. But um, you'll get you'll get to hear, especially from Adam and Slater, that they're like making IDs while they're on the water uh, without having to go through the full submission process, which makes it really cool to be able to give like the sighting information right there on the boat.
2: Yeah it's fun. it's super helpful and it's, it's super fun too yeah it's just cool to like have that at your disposal
0: uh, yeah i went back and was just checking through ids and then i found just the same week that you found yours but you just found yours i found an id from 2017 that was seen in monterey alaska and hawaii and
1: whoa that was, really and that's it yeah that's super cool
0: that's awesome yeah ted she calls or you messaged me he's like are you sure you were in uh, Monterey? Cause Monterey. It's, super foggy, it's super foggy. And then like you, the image is like, it's straight fog that we're whale watching in And I was like, well, I've never been to Alaska. And I hadn't been to Maui yet until like two years after this image was shot. So I was like, it's for yeah. sure from Monterey.
1: Was it, what time of year was the image from?
0: It was our 2017 in, uh like spring or something.
1: I feel like in the spring and in the fall is when you're gonna catch those weird ones
0: yep that's why all the whales right now had not either been seen in the very beginning of summer and they kept going to like fair launch and stuff or they haven't been seen since like 2020 they're all so random right now Mm. i've gotten a lot of uh, like it's uh i want them to be new but it's like you saw this one in 2020 or 2019 i'm like dang it but it's cool (laughs) but i'm trying to catch adam over here
2: sorry dude never happened never ever ever.
1: Pokemon's, but it's humpbacks (laughs) my getaway.
2: When you grow your hair this long, maybe you'll catch me then.
0: <laughs> Adam's hair grows like a chia pet or
1: whatever.
2: <laughs> what are you talking about? My sister <laughs> used to call me that when I was little. Oh
1: my goodness. You
2: call me a chia pet. That's funny.
1: All right. Should we get into it?
2: Let's get into it.
1: Okay. Um. So this is sort of a older event that happened, but I think it kind of ties together nicely across the two episodes that we're going to do. So The state of California did have an oil spill recently, and it happened at the beginning of October. And I just like following this story, I've just been like, can we just like get over fossil fuels? Like, can we just figure it out already? Like, I know, right? Especially like when you fast forward to like several months later, the COP26 outcomes have been just like substandard. It's like, can't, it's like yeah. seriously, people like that. We have the ability to get past this. That was like my main like takeaway from this. Um, but basically, what happened in Southern California was they think that a uh, anchor drag, so like a, a a pipeline fouling happened from a ship's anchor that was waiting to come into port. And when they first covered the story, they thought it was like a new incident that had happened because the port of LA had been so backed up because of like the working shortages and COVID conditions and like, you know, just a whole bunch of things compounding at once. Um, And then the more they learned about it, the more they changed their story. It was like just watching it over several weeks. It was pretty interesting to see the response because they initially were like, you know 200,000 gallons of oil has been spilled and then by the time the news article came out there like 126,000 to 156,000 and really if you read like the play by play of like people could smell it on shore at night no one started doing anything till almost lunchtime the next day like the de- yeah. the response delay from the coast guard was like crazy um mm-hmm. And also from the oil company, because they detected a pressure loss in that pipeline like during the night and didn't do anything until like nine o'clock the next morning. So then you keep watching the news stories go around. And now the estimates more like it was actually 25,000 gallons. So a lot less than the initial report said. And they think that the damage actually occurred in January of 2021. So they went and inspected the area of the pipeline failure, and there's no recent signs of, like, sediment disturbance, and the anchor drag probably occurred, like, way back in January. So it was like, what the what? Kind of a weird story when you watch yeah. it all unfold over time. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. super weird.
1: But, <clears throat> you know, obviously not great. Harbors were closed um, for yep. several days following the spill, um, or, like, weren't allowing incoming traffic, like. There was lots of oil booms out, and people were pretty worried about you know public safety and beach safety and the animals and so kind of ugly. So then it got me thinking like, so what happens to animals when they go through an oil spill, right? Because like, especially off Santa Barbara, how often do you see a slick at the surface? Oh,
2: every single day.
1: All the time, right? Every single day. <laughs> but like a big crude oil spill is, you know, is different. Yeah. Yeah. So I found this article. That just had come out within the last, I don't know, a couple weeks. And it was about, let's see, it came out in, where's my link? Uh scientists
2: still following whales, this swim Yeah, going.
1: so the publication is like a public broadcast for Kenai Peninsula type news thing. I don't have the name of it right off my hand, but it's like K-D-L-L is the short name of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a story that came from Alaska during the Exxon Valdez oil spill, which actually happened, I think, before all of us were born. And <clears throat> so what happened was this was like a tanker that spilled on its way into port. And it's an Alaska-based study, and it's studying this population of transient killer whales called Chugash, I think is how you say it transients from the Gulf of Alaska they there used to be 22 whales in this group I think it's like two family lines and they swam directly through the spill in 1989 all 22 whales the very next by the next year nine whales were dead and others were missing and now in 2021 there's only seven whales left and they have not had any calves since the oil spill yeah so pretty gnarly
0: it's like they know that all by ids
1: yeah they've been doing so the they this research group has been funded by a compensation fund from the exxon valdez spill um and so they've been doing these like follow-up studies of different aspects of the environment post um oil spill that's been funded by the company responsible and so they've been monitoring these killer whales like on a dedicated effort because they've had grant funding to do it and so they're actually not going to get funding moving forward um it has been quite a while since oil spill but i mean it's kind of like they have far-reaching effects so i feel like they should still have to fund it yeah Yeah, there's only how how have i
2: never heard of that
0: i didn't know about the killer whale thing i knew about the exxon valdez oil yeah yeah I didn't know, know about it either. About but I mean, there was two. There was twenty-two. 22. Nine the, died
1: the first year.
0: And now how many's left? Seven. And they haven't had babies since.
1: And they haven't had any calves since.
0: So well, I mean, I think that, that reproductive stuff. stuff.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. It seems like it.
1: I mean, crude oil is pretty toxic. Sure. Like, what they ate it? They put it in their mouth? I mean, I don't know. They, they swam just right sp- through, it. Their mouth swam the time, through it. right through it. But also like <clears throat> there's the like food vapor. they're eating. Yeah, there's there's also like vapor that comes off the water. So like when it's floating at the surface in. and they're breathing it, and then they were just like it was all over their skin, which I think there probably still does have a way to get into their bloodstream when you're like that highly yeah, I exposed. You. I mean, it was a lot of oil in the water, so to swim directly through the spill, like and I'm oh, sure all the bad. food they're
2: eating it biomagnified probably up the food chain. Yeah that's awful it's it's yeah it's it's just interesting like obviously crude oil i think is a different story but like here in santa barbara like i've said it before like we'll see giant oil slicks you know and we'll see a a pot of dolphins moving through it we'll see whales going through it and you know that's that's a natural process it's a natural thing it's oil seeping through cracks in the seafloor that bubbles to the surface Mm -hmm. you know so you know the channel has been or Extremely productive zone for whatever, probably thousands of years, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and the oil's that, been seeping for that. Same and the amount oil's of time. exactly,
2: exactly. And that that hasn't changed. So I, when you look at it in that regard, like that natural oil, it doesn't seem to have that much of an effect on them. But when you look at crude oil and stuff like that, and you know, there's a report of oil off of San Diego earlier this year that I think was really blown out of proportion. But I mean, who knows really the effect at the end of the day?
1: Well. And I think it has to do with like concentration and also like how novel the chemicals are to those animals. Right. Like maybe there is something that common dolphins have developed over time to better combat the chemical exposure. Whereas these killer whales had never been exposed to this. And all of a sudden it was like an enormous amount.
2: Well, and then it's also like, I think you could look at the species as well. Like I think, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the lower trophic levels probably aren't as affected as, yeah. you know, killer, like killer whales at the tip of the top. Right. So yep. they're, yep. that biomagnification really plays a fact.
1: Yeah. Well, and they also have, um, a lot longer reproductive period. And uh-huh. so like their biological processes are a little bit different than other dolphin yeah. species. Like, you know, they're pregnant for 18 months almost. And so
2: yep.
1: like, I, think I wonder being if ex- being exposed has lot, far farther reaching effects on an animal like that
2: i wonder if that pod's ever been like recorded with stillborns or anything like that or if they just haven't had anything you know i want uh, it's something I yeah would, i would have like to, to, to follow
1: like the actual research group page yeah yeah this was just like a news article that came up from their local area um sure. but let me see if the name of the research group is listed in there uh they're scientists from homer and seward uh, North Gulf Oceanic Society. So it's part Surprise of one of the collaborators. i
2: um surprised I've never seen Emma talk about that.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll have Emma, to ask her Emma about Locke. it. Yeah. But yeah, they're funded by the Exxon Valdez Oil Spill Trustee Council. Um, and the civil suit that came out of the oil spill was a $900 million fund. And that's like the funds that were drawn on to do this study for over this long period of time mm. but it sounds like they're not going to continue the funding i don't know if it's because the funds running out or if they've just like shifted priorities or whatever but yeah. pretty compelling pretty interesting to see such a long period of time with such horrible effects on these animals yeah that's bad so that's kind of it for the doom and gloom now we're going to shift to like more of a happier note to end on to lead us into part two. <laughs> Woo-hoo! So the reason why I wanted to like bring all this up and like show the effects of fossil fuels is because when you flip this whole concept on its head, like fossil fuels are driving this enormous climate change cycle. The industrialization of the world is fueling this, right? But whales work against this against effect, that. Yeah. right? So like Whales are cultivating our oceans, they're gardening and fertilizing our oceans. And so there's this cool article that came out about a Chilean biologist, but it like took the focus of like, whales generate and promote life is the title of the article from Trust. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. So this researcher that they interviewed, it's just like a simple question and answer type article. Uh, but if you look at like what he's talking about, he's talking about Chilean blue whales. And they think that now that they've kind of teased out the details of Chilean blue whales, that they were hunted to 1% of their pre-whaling population by 1966, (laughs) which is pretty incredible. Um, But whales act as carbon sinks for our oceans. Like what the heck is a carbon sink, right? Um, A carbon sink is anything that absorbs more carbon from the atmosphere than it releases. So like plants, when they go through respiration, they do still release carbon dioxide. But when right. they're photosynthesizing, they consume more carbon dioxide than they're putting out by respirating. So, or respiring, I don't know, whichever one's the right word. <laughs> um, so like burning of fossil fuels or volcanic eruptions, those are examples of like a carbon source, but like whales, plants, soil, those are all carbon sinks. Yeah. So whales generate and promote life, which is like the whole concept of the whale pump right that's like got to be one of my most favorite theories of ocean nutrient movements ever yeah So super cool um so basically like when whales are feeding they're feeding at depth when they're pooping they're pooping at the surface and that's where all your phytoplankton is so they're fertilizing the phytoplankton and then feeding into this cycle of sequestering carbon from the atmosphere photosynthesis so up- <laughs> yeah Exactly. Just like plants on land. They just float around in the ocean instead.
2: Just like that Spongebob episode. Photosynthesis. Photosynthesis. No? You guys remember that? <laughs> Am I too young for you?
1: No, I watched Spongebob as a kid. Okay, good. SpongeBob, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so then the other thing that this researcher talked about, which is something that was new to me that read, led me down like a whole nother rabbit hole, is that there are places on the earth that are considered climate or carbon refuges. And sometimes the marine, like wildlife of that near shore environment, is a factor as to why it's a refuge. So Chilean Patagonia is considered a climate or carbon refuge between the nearshore environment and the marine ecosystem and the wildlife that use that space. So Chilean Patagonia is like doing this region is doing more of a carbon sequestration service for. The earth than the surrounding areas to it. It's like this little spot is like doing good things.
2: Mm.
1: Which is like crazy. I think it's cool.
2: I think that's so cool. I think the more and more we learn about how important whales are, I th- I think like like they will play a huge or they should play a huge role in combating climate change like Mm -hmm. in in terms of like legislation
1: yeah yeah like
2: you know i i think like we've done you know incredible things with the marine mammal protection act and um the endangered species act and things like that but like as we move forward and and progress and address the climate change issues there should be i guess parts of those legislations that involved whales because like their role is so so important
1: yeah, well, and like when those laws were written, no one even knew that that's what we No, They don't did. know
2: anything. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> like, imagine,
2: you imagine if whale watching. Yeah. Honestly, like, imagine, yeah, but then imagine guess if what? we didn't.
0: What? You take them whale watching, they get seasick. Now they hate whales. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now they're just like, screw it, get rid of all the whales.
1: Yeah, they're like, I'm tired of this. Get rid of the whole ocean. Well, like, you know, imagine, our whole if like
2: imagine if they never made those, like, You know protections, or like whales weren't protected worldwide. You know, imagine how worse off our climate issue would be. Yeah, and it's it's tough to say because like you know we all work on boats and we all drive cars that eat up gasoline and stuff like that. But yeah, I I think we're also at the forefront of the possibilities of like, I think bio restoration is something that we look over Mm -hmm. so much when we address how we can help nature and like, you know, move the climate and move the climate issue in the right direction like mm-hmm. when you just let the environment do what it's supposed to do it can do magical things and i think that is oh. something that is really overlooked
1: slater's so gonna explode well just like okay. well, it's like
2: we talk sure. about we talk with jeff about it all the time remember in the sailor sea about just letting the environment do its thing like if you protect the environment the fish will come back you know the, i mean the,
0: i'm very surprised that there is actually a new blue whale like mm-hmm. oh for
2: it's, sure it's incredible like the,
0: when you look at it like this way like how they write it in this thing imagine you have 300 facebook friends and that's the total population of your species and now all of them are gone that so you're down to one percent so you have three three left in your species yeah yep. what do you mean they're going to come back and then yeah. in what 30 years 1960 or 50 years it's only been 50 years so yeah it's crazy you, what do you expect them to make a hundred thousand blue whales in 50 yeah. years but well, think about it.
2: It's, it's, it's great that they actually like that whalers moved down like the whale chain, you know, cause if they didn't leave the blue whales alone, they probably would have wiped them all out.
1: But well, luckily they the got one, so rare that. Yeah. I think the 1% think that, yeah. was like the unattainable part.
0: I yeah. think that they just, yeah, it got so thin that they weren't seeing them anymore. So they moved on to other things. Yeah. I don't think it was by choice.
1: I mean, it's true. Sure. If that's not sign for hope, And like an urgent call to action. I don't know what the hell is, right? Like if these animals have survived from a a 99% population decimation by people and they're still here, like what are we doing?
0: (laughs) I know they're fighting ships off. They're fighting freaking. who
1: knows? Literally (laughs) like
2: like whales are doing everything for our planet. Like how, uh, that's incredible to really think about.
1: And it's not, it's not lost on me that we burn up a bunch of dead dinosaurs it's to go look at these whales, right? It's like, not. So then it comes into like this whole weighing.
0: I think we're working on that. We'll get into Yeah, that.
1: and I do think that technology and legislation are kind of moving in the right direction. I do think yeah, there's do lots of room for improvement for that. Um, but I think like if you're going to burn up a bunch of dead dinosaurs to go teach people about whales, you really are obligated to do a good job to inspire people to protect them. Yeah like I feel like that should be like kind of a code of ethics thing that ecotourism has is like mm-hmm. we have an impact on the environment and so we need to create an experience that's so inspirational that people go forward and take action when they go home which Slater's point is very true when they go out and they get seasick you immediately lose that
0: yeah, you opportunity lose that. Yeah. which
1: sucks like because we don't really have a whole lot of control and over then it right you
0: gotta take out their husband or their wives <laughs> or their kids because yeah. little kids
1: hardly ever get seasick i mean they do but not nearly as often as adults
0: because then if they're like oh this is amazing then they're like all right we yeah gotta save it we gotta well save and it. then
1: and then also doing things like podcasts or art or um you know other ways to raise awareness on land where maybe your fossil fuel burden is not so high i mean even a podcast costs fossil fuels like to everything with technology still burns fossil fuels
2: but that's the thing it's just like you got to get off the dependence there like like even even if we like a, a huge goal of mine in life is to is to have a car and a boat that is electric that that runs off the sun you know like having solar panels of my own one day that I can put on a house and and having that whole set of going but even if I wanted to, to try to attain that right now, right? If I wanted to go out and spend my life savings on an electric car, it'd still be coming from the grid. It's still coming from burned mm-hmm. off
0: fossil fuels, right? Yeah. So it's the whole yeah. issue of-
1: We need a systematic level of change. And change. it's
0: gotta be affordable first off.
1: Yep, exactly. Like, yeah, for sure.
0: Things that are better for the environment are like a hundred times more expensive. Oh, like, totally. if, well, and it's, then- it's just like eating vegan. Being vegan is sometimes more expensive. Like yeah. if you go to a restaurant you order a salad, it's going to be the same price that you order the, a burger. Like, but
1: also you look at the environmental <laughs> impacts of like lithium ion batteries and the mining of yeah. lithium. It's like, but, it's almost just as bad, if not worse for the environment than burning fossil fuels. And there's no good recycling technology and there's no recapture technology. And again, you go to charge whatever you have running off those batteries and it may still be coming from fossil fuels. That's, that's the power argument
0: with the, with the cars right now. It's like, they're not yeah. actually better for the environment yeah yeah
1: yeah so and then a lot of these things are have components made of plastic well guess where plastic comes from fossil fuels
2: Uh, (laughs) literally my whole freaking four years three and three and three and eight tenths years of college was about these subjects and it's just so frustrating Mm -hmm. Uh.
1: i mean i definitely think that Taking small actions is still important. It's worthwhile. Buying local um, not only reduces your um, impact on the environment, also supports your local economy. Um, you know, really think about where your products are coming from, and can you make them last longer between purchases? Um, where does your food come from? You know, what kind of impacts are you having on the environment? Put the environment in your decision-making carpool. process. Yeah, carpool. It Ride your bike.
0: I will gladly get a ride to Moss Landing with you every day. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Adam, do you move up here think about how much of the planet we could save by all three carpooling to, to get on the boat every day? It's
2: true. I do spend a lot of money and gas going to Monterey.
1: Well, and like, when I lived, so that's always a big priority for me, no matter where I live. Like, I walked to work here in, in Massachusetts, and I rode my bike to work in California. Mm-hmm. Um and the first season in Hawaii, I rode a scooter which got like 40 miles to the gallon. I mean, it was definitely not very safe. Riding <laughs> on Sugar at Beach, point, you especially
0: made a at sacrifice, night. dude. It's yeah. so windy right there. I seen her oh, riding that thing against the wind. She was going the <laughs> wheel the whole way.
1: <laughs> but and then like when I live in Maui, I try to not um, Amazon anything. Like I try to not order anything online. i try to just find it on the island somewhere because it's already part of a scheduled shipment i don't want to have to add a burden of another shipment to the island that whole concept it just blows my mind the island is 70 percent fueled by diesel that gets shipped to the island i'm just like are you kidding me so anyways so to kind of wrap up i thought we were done with doom and gloom to, well, I've yeah. podcast ever not been dooming. Welcome to this sad uh, stuff.
0: We
2: should redid it. The, the sad
1: stuff, podcast, <laughs> the sad
2: podcast.
0: The old, you know, the most positive thing about our, our podcast, honestly, is our sightings. <laughs> Any news article we talk about whales is never positive. <laughs> unless they find out something new well like-
2: it is positive think about the freaking blue whales dude we almost killed them another back the back in action we freaking yeah. see blue whales all the time in the summer california is, is amazing a of so light. thankful for
0: that there's a glimmer of light <laughs> yeah of you gotta try,
2: you gotta turn that glimmer and make it into a freaking
1: mostly it's us trying fire. to spin it the article yeah. doesn't necessarily spin it we spin it by the end yeah. to try well, and like- get there Okay, so
0: here's a little more. Here's the last
1: article for this episode. Is hopefully not too doom and gloom. So, other places around the world, not just Chile and Patagonia, have thought about cetaceans' role with climate change and like thinking creatively about how to come up with some metrics of a changing climate. So, this study came out of the UK, and it's called Sentinels as uh cetaceans as sentinels for informing climate change policy in UK waters. So I mean, they did get their data from stranded dolphins, but they turned it into something that is informative. So they studied stranding data of four different species in the UK and used it as a climate impact proxy for waters around the British Isles. So they studied Atlantic white-sided dolphins, white-beaked dolphins, striped dolphins, and short-beaked common dolphins. And the occurrences of strandings were uh very closely related to a factor of temperatures going on in the open ocean so on colder phase events they had more strandings of cold water species like white beaked dolphins and atlantic white-sided dolphins but on warmer phase events they had more strandings of striped dolphins and short beaked common dolphins um so the species that kind of matches like their use of space is based on temperature and then like the sea surface temperatures that were recorded around the British Isles when these strandings would happen. And so now they're saying that these dolphins can be an indicator species, kind of like a canary in the coal mine type of thing. Do you guys know what that, do you know what that phrase is?
0: Yeah, in my my coral tank, my Kenya tree is my canary in the coal. If that one goes out, rest of my corals are out. (laughs) (laughs) The canary
1: stops singing, get out of the mine.
0: (laughs) Okay, so it's so funny that the cold, like, because white Beach and Atlantic white side dolphins, I feel like are more seen in colder waters, right? Right, right. And so yep. w- imagine it. So, is it not because it's getting too cold, though? It's just.
1: No, it's just that those animals are using the space around the islands when the waters are colder. And then the warmer water species are coming in when the waters warm up. So, you're more, because there's more dolphins around during those time periods, you're more likely to have a stranding of that species. Oh. It's kind but of like in Monterey. Cause, I
0: know, but that makes sense. It's like obviously yeah. the yeah the cold ones are going to be during the cold time, and the warm ones are yeah. during
1: the warm. So well, what they're what saying is, is they,
0: the, uh, what is causing the strandings?
1: It's a wide variety of things. They're not linked to necessarily these temperature events. It's oh, just okay. more like the presence of these dolphins it's abundance. Yeah, yeah, is an indicator of like kind of ground truthing the sea the surface temperature. temperature. Yeah, kind of like in Monterey in the spring, you see a lot of Pacific white sided dolphins. And northern right whale dolphins because they're more cold water common species, and so when the water's cold in the spring, you see them, and then in the fall and winter, when things warm up, you see common dolphins in Monterey Bay more often.
0: Can you back it up, Kaylin? <laughs> Adam, how about the fact that when the, the water gets warmer here during the winter, can you explain that science? I, I can't no, explain. I, can. you, I know why, but it's so I funny can. to me that like we're more likely to see common dolphins now or like in the winter than we are in other months like because the, of what?
1: upwelling
0: yeah it's because so, it's because we're getting all this south wind now it's easterly wind on huh? yeah and, uh, but
1: also the water layers are stratifying in the fall and winter because you're not getting that mixing from upwelling and so the water layers kind of settle back out and the cold water goes uh, back to the bottom where it's supposed to be and the warm water stays on the top yeah so when you get northwest wind and then the direction of the spin of the, the north earth.
2: Northwesterlies, yes. The
1: northwest wind pulls, because of the spin of the earth and the wind yes. combined, pulls the surface water offshore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then oh. deep water comes up to the surface oh. to replace it physically. But that deep water is colder.
2: Cold, yeah.
1: So that's the upwelling cycle, is where deep water is coming to the surface and then it creates a temperature change. And it also oh, brings nutrients with it to the surface. And it sense. brings the anchovies just, and it
2: brings
0: lunch eating humpbacks, and then we but, all get happy.
2: <laughs> it makes sense <laughs> you, you just think like like to the average person to the somebody yeah. who's not an ocean goer it's like oh yeah. you know in the winter it's colder and yeah. windier right. so you'd think right. that you'd
0: get yeah like what do you mean cold it water just species. Rained last night it probably got down to 57 degrees and, and now you're gonna tell me the water's warmer than normal
1: and in areas like here off the gulf of maine where the upwelling effect is a lot weaker that's true
2: because you've got the gulf stream
1: right and so things just move differently around this area where in the summer it will be over 70 degrees and then in the winter it's like low 40s Dang,
2: we're so smart look at us but talking upwelling could, the and the thing is, is, is the word and...
0: stratify is what got me there okay <laughs> you know what a stratified water column <laughs> el is El Nino brings surface heat from the west and stratifies the ocean layers dude
1: <laughs> oh yeah so then when you have an el nino effect um yeah. you have a warmer phase in the northern pacific ocean because that cycles disrupted. Yeah,
2: I googled it. Yeah, because the warm water, the warm water <laughs> sloshes back from the warm water blob in the Eastern Pacific, shoots yeah. all the way Western Pacific, shoots all the way across here to the Eastern Pacific, yeah. goes yeah, up nice. through the Southern California countercurrent, hits us, and there's no anchovies, and then we cry because there's no lunch. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah but, but there's lots we of get common a big dolphins.
0: aggregation of whales. <laughs> so it's like a negative plus,
1: because that was from the best.
2: Well, because. El well, nino because they because they come closer to shore because the anchovies come closer to shore
1: yeah well especially with the warm water blob that's what a lot of scientists are starting to think happen is that these cold colder quote-unquote places like there monterey is. bay is where the fish gathered got pushed in by the temperature but that meant that that was the only fish only left spot for the, yeah. and so then all the wildlife congregated in this very small area too because they were there to eat
0: is that I love- again
1: anytime soon I think that events like that are going to become more and (laughs) more commonplace as we continue to deal with the changing climate. No, I don't think so. Because you look at a like anchovies, you're looking at a species of fish that used to populate most of the California current. And if they're being pushed into smaller and smaller areas and your current circulation is becoming narrower and narrower, those fish are not going to have that same range anymore. Yeah. So, so then right like,
0: now it's technically a healthier ocean, not healthier, but like it's more of a normal year. That's why the whales are more spread out. Right. Spare yeah. Out.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, Dude, think man. about it. There's freaking whales from Santa Barbara all along Avila Beach, Morro Bay, the whole Central Coast, all the way up to Monterey, Farallon okay. Islands,
1: Eureka, up to Washington.
0: Oregon,
1: Washington. I mean, yeah, there was spread there was out. there was still whales like that during the warm water event the but numbers. they were much more c- concentrated from like Avila I, to the farallons. I wonder yeah. how
0: many whales were sighted that year and not haven't been seen since that year. Since You like should 15. ask
1: you should ask Ted that yeah. because I think that did happen actually a lot of those whales have not I been seen on a regular run, basis.
0: I wonder if they could run that stuff on the back end like run Dude I love 14 matches and 16 matches you know what I mean or 17 I think he probably
1: can pull a report like that.
0: That would be sick.
1: I won't I love, speak for him, but I think he probably can.
2: I love science-y conversations with Caitlin that I can keep up with. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I can't. I'm like, uh...
1: You're like, what is
2: Isotopic degradation? What?
1: Yeah. I try to not get too nitty-gritty into it because I want everybody to be able to understand. When we're talking
2: everything. about El Nino, dude, I took a whole course in El Nino. Dude. I'll tell you all the facts <laughs> left, right, and
0: center.
1: So, yeah, that's part one of um thinking about carbon sinks and whales and fossil fuels and man we got to do better for our oceans and i think if more people can shift more governments can shift towards a concept of ecosystem based management that's what it's um, about for quotas and things and continue to add variables to (laughs) those models as we learn more that we're going to start to move in the right direction. But, like, there really has to be a, a sense of urgency on the government because nothing happens on a reasonable timescale, in my opinion, when it's government-run. But they're the ones in charge. People are going to do what they're legally supposed to be doing. And so, like, how do we move the needle? You know what I mean? Like,
2: Yeah. <sighs> I think I think it's great to have these goals set in place for, like, CO2 emission decreases and stuff like that and and a shift to electrical systems and all that stuff but I also think it's equally as important that we rely on our oceans to do a lot of the work for us Mm -hmm. like at the end of the day our it it should be like it should be planet water like the oceans play such a pivotal role Mm -hmm. in addressing the climate and the more and more we look into like bioremediation and how if you just let the oceans be productive and protect the life in the oceans, then like, it'll all work out. The ecosystems will all balance each other out. The CO2 Mm -hmm. in the atmosphere will be balanced out by the CO2 in the ocean. Ocean acidification will hopefully decrease all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, we do, I think really need to focus on putting some of that into legislative writing. Like, I think it's really as important.
1: Yeah. And I think, the way that people have power there is to really when it comes to like election time know Mm -hmm. what candidate stances are on that you know you need to choose from the local level all the way up to the federal level it just sucks
2: that it's like it's well I feel like the ocean like even in California it's like out of people's minds like yeah like people don't connect ocean to elections or ocean to politics but those
1: are the people that really are in charge be. of this stuff doesn't that isn't I that know. crazy <laughs>
2: it should it, those two should be well, linked they
1: need
0: more departments like that are you know like
2: absolutely the there should thing. be uh but yeah i
0: feel like they do sure. have one it's called noah and yeah and noah's how far, far does that get up the, the freaking before gaff? it just doesn't get anywhere
1: yeah
2: well regardless noah's a freaking mess in itself always well and
1: NIMS nymphs is their parent organization and that's even more of a mess I mean, uh, why why is your National Marine Fisheries Service in lawsuits all the time across the country? Like what? I mean, I know that's how this country functions, but still it's just like, it kind of boggles your mind. So anyways, be informed, be nice to the planet. Go look at the ocean.
2: Go look at some freaking whales on go
0: April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Oh, yeah. Or go or, look at some whales or before or then. I got, <laughs> I got trips open all winter. <laughs> <laughs> just,
1: you know, take, take a minute and appreciate hey. what the environment does for us. I mean, the ocean literally is the planet's heartbeat Everything. and lungs. Everything. Like, our planet would not work if it did not have the ocean. So take a minute to appreciate it. Do something nice for it today. Whatever that is. And tomorrow. And the next day. And the next day.
0: <laughs> and the
2: day after that.
1: So that's it for this episode. Um, next week, we will have part two, which kind of plays off the topics in part one. There, You know, you're not obligated to listen to both in the right order, but it does make a little more sense if it's in the right order. So thanks for listening. And... We'll see you for part two of Sinking Carbon.
2: And no, I will not get my haircut before that episode because we're recording it right now.
0: (laughs) We'll see you in another episode. Bye, everyone. See you in one minute.
2: Later. (laughs)